0: This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. You know, it's been exciting the last few podcasts have we've been talking about the spirit of the Ten Commandments. In fact, in the last couple of podcasts, we've been talking about the Golden Rule and about the last six commandments, because really the first three commandments is in relationship to our posture before God. And then the fourth commandment really is God wanting to give us a Sabbath day, a place of rest, and to keep it holy. But commandments five through 10 really is about what Jesus spoke about is like an unto it when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That was really the first and greatest commandment. And the second he says is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself, because all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so we tried to break it down in the last few podcasts about first our relationship and posture with God, and then his desire for us, and in our posture of what we call the golden rule of our of doing unto others as we would have them do unto us, or having a, an attitude of treating other people the way we want to be treated. So we talked in, in uh, commandment number five, we talked about honoring your father and your mother, which comes with the great promise. We talked about the spirit of murder. We talked about uh, sexual temptation and, and sexual sins. And then we talked about not stealing or, or taking from others that even in our time or taking away from them their character, the, the things that God has intended for each individual. And today we're going to talk about thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor, And uh, and I think this is so important because, you know, oftentimes, even as Scripture says, if you want friends, you must first be friendly. And it's important for us to recognize that we don't want people to judge us falsely, and we have to be careful not to judge others also. The late Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, who had a great influence in many of our lives and my life, he was the founder of the Christian Men's Network, used to say, assumption is the lowest form of knowledge. And he used to also say that we tend to judge others by what they do, but ourselves by our good intentions. It's easy for us to be critical, opinionated, and always having a second-guessing or backseat-driving kind of an opinion about other people. But the reality is, it's very clear in the Spirit of the Ten Commandments, especially in Commandment 9, it says, Do not bear false witness. Uh, and we can include that in fact in 1st Corinthians chapter 10 it says that there are five sins that kept israel out of the promised land the first was lust the second was was idolatry the second was, the third was sexual immorality the fourth was tempting christ and the fifth was murmuring or backbiting or gossip and I liken that to like a spiritual immune deficiency disease, because it 's where the cells of the body destroy other cells of the body. I would know because even you know a few years ago when I was diagnosed with stage four b cell lymphoma, um, it was literally my body was overacting, and there's other cells destroying other cells of the body there's a there's a spiritual immune deficiency I believe in the spiritual realm. When we are not careful about watching our tongue, we talked about that even earlier in one of our early podcasts. But I think it's important for us even today in the context of Commandment number nine, not to bear fault, false witness, not to murmur, not to backbite, not to undermine other people, not to rob others of what God intended for them to walk in the fullness of life in Him. And even if they're not in agreement with us, or we're not in agreement with them, we have to be careful how we speak. In fact. James is very clear that the tongue is a small part of the body, but it has such a big wield. It's such a a major uh, piece that can bring blessing or curse in how we bear witness or how we bring false witness. So I think it's important for us even today as we reflect on these things, because it's easy to get in the routine and be like other people, respond according to the flesh instead of according to the Spirit, but today I want to address that it's important for us not to bear false witness against others or against our neighbors and to make sure that we, we keep a right attitude and perspective and not just judge other people by what they do or our perceptions of what they do or don't do and just judge ourselves by, by our good intentions. You see, we all want grace, but then we also have to give grace, don't we? Uh, I do speak all the time to our, my family, to friends around me, let's always speak the truth in love, Seasoned with grace, but speak the truth nonetheless. It's about how we speak the truth that will that will render transformation, encouragement uh, to help build people up in the faith. It's we can speak the truth in the wrong way, and it diminishes people. It depreciates it depreciates people and brings people down. We, and oftentimes, you'll find that people who are bullies or those who try to uh, to uh, you know gossip or say things about others, they're just trying to bring others to their level. And we have to be those who are above that. Take the high road. Let's be like Christ and Christ-like in the way that we, even when we disagree that we can do so with civility, we can do so with a sense of redemption, because even the Lord always gave us a scarlet thread of redemption from the very beginning of Adam and Eve when they chose to sin, that God was already working out a scarlet thread of redemption. I tell young ministers all the time and to others that are doing biblical counseling I said, it's easy to give your opinion. It's easy to say what someone should do. Uh, it's easy to, to criticize someone or to get into them and, and and begin to challenge them and exhort them, which is fine. We need to bring encouragement and exhortation to one another, even correction. But it's how we do it. Are we doing it with kind of a, well, you deserve what you get? Or is it more like, let's find the redemptive purpose here. And when we're willing to learn from those life lessons then it becomes part of our life experience. And so we can help people through life lessons to learn from them and to become part of their life message in a redemptive way. You know, as we look at uh, commandment number nine, and again, I'm talking about the spirit of the commandments, not just the legalism of looking at the law itself, because Jesus, remember I said early on in the spirit of the commandments, we talked about him being not the destroyer of the law, but the fulfillment in himself of the law of mercy and truth, grace and law. It's both. And so we don't want to bear false witness. We don't want to, and, and sometimes we think we're speaking the truth out of our own perception. We can read something online. We can read something on social media. We immediately have a criticism, have an opinion, but we haven't done research or in-depth study to find out the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Uh, I remember the old TV, the movie that said, uh, I forgot the name, but it. it says, you can't handle the truth. Well, the reality is we need to be those who love the truth So that by God's grace, we can handle the truth, but we have to be lovers of truth more than ourselves and more than what we want to make as far as an opinion or uh, because it makes us feel good to think we know we have one up on someone. We have to be so careful about how we process truth. The truth should set people free. But the truth in Christ sets people free. So we need to be those who love the truth, love the Lord, and love the way that He wants to work in us and through us to disseminate His love and truth with grace and mercy. And so nothing is, is dearer to God than the integrity of His Word. And the importance of God's Word cannot be overstated, as, as it says in the Psalms. In Psalms 138-2b, it says, Thou hast magnified Thy Word above all Thy name. See the New Testament stresses also the steadfastness of his word which brings great comfort to all of us who believe him for the assurance of our salvation. Two passages that come to mind and support this confidence in no uncertain terms is for example Titus chapter 1 verse 2 in the hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised ages ago. And also in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 17 and 18 it says in the same way God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of His purpose, interposed with an oath, in order that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement, we who have fled for refuge in laying hold of the hope set before us. See, the biblical record is clear. God's character is beyond suspicion and it is not possible for him to tell a lie or break a promise. That's good news to us, isn't it? His very nature is the basis for commanding his people to be honest and upright. We see the beginning of lies started in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis, known as the Book of Beginnings, records the first lie or the beginning of lies in chapter 3. Predictably enough, it was uttered by Satan. The original command not to lie is found in Exodus 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. See, bearing false witness has to do with lying about some aspect of a person's character or actions. God directly commanded Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. He warned that disobeying this commandment would result in death, but Satan tempted Eve and deceived her by bringing a false witness against who? Against God. Let's look at that again in Genesis 3, 1-5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You should not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. We see even today the whole idea of enlightenment, that if you go into the New Age movement or if you begin to look at things outside the boundaries of God's protections, you shall be enlightened. You'll know more than others. You'll actually know more than God, the one who gave us the parameter of protection and the place of blessing when we walk within the boundaries of those protections. You see, ironically, Satan, the actual liar, accused God of lying. He talked to Eve about the character of God and suggested that God lied when he told Adam and Eve that their disobedience would result in death. He implied that God had selfish motives and was withholding something good from them. But we know that God was actually protecting them. Sadly, Eve's agreement with Satan's false witness against God ultimately led to the death of the entire human race. One of the primary strategies Satan used to deceive Adam and Eve was distracting them from God's best or God's intended purposes for them. Satan introduces thoughts into minds so he can work his destruction. In Eve's case, he did this by bringing up the topic of God's restriction concerning the trees. Eve's conversation centers on the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which was forbidden. But she makes no mention of the tree of life that was permissible. We see that she was distracted from the goodness of God's provision and desired that which she could not have or which was forbidden. As she continued to talk with the servant, the desire for what she could not have grew until the forbidden tree had replaced the tree of life in the center of her heart. Satan diverted her affection and then chose a lie that catered to her desire. He designed it to be the perfect lie, something she wanted to hear making it easier to her to embrace the false witness concerning God. You see, through cunning and subtlety, Satan distracts the heart from God and calls it to set its affections on something else. Once this initial work of distraction is accomplished, he presents us with the perfect lie. Only a sincere love for God and a love for His truth and the power of the Holy Spirit can keep us from falling victims to His deception. We should give thanks to God for His faithfulness to protect us from the lies of Satan. Satan's deception is a powerful, seductive spirit that supernaturally deludes men and women and brings them under His influence. Only those who really love the truth of God's Word will be able to resist the power of this temptation. I've shared in the past in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that if we do not have a love for the truth, it's easy to be turned over to a spirit of of delusion. But God, who is truth, gives us the spirit of truth so that we can walk in the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But sadly, even genuine Christians lose sight of the truth and allow their carnal desires to pull them away from Christ. Business professionals may initially sincerely desire to make money for the kingdom of God, but after a period of time, as God begins to prosper them, they lose sight of their original mission— and focus on the money and the prestige and the adulation that comes with it, rather than keeping their perspective of the stewardship God has entrusted to them. Ministers are also susceptible. When things are tight and tough, they spend a great deal of time in prayer and reading the Word of God. But when busyness and prosperity come, they may spend less and less time in prayer and reading God's Word. Where blessings and prosperity begin to overtake them, they become more vulnerable to deception. See, it's all about stewardship. It's not about having the resources, having the uh, the capacity to do greater things. God wants us to be able to have periods of peace and prosperity and and to have stewardship. But oftentimes we begin to become self-centered with those blessings and we begin to use it for self. Remember we talked about before, A.W. Tozer said that self is the opaque veil that hides the face of God from us. Too often in our self-absorbed, self-centered, self-righteous society, where we even do selfies, everything's about self, 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 and I'm not, I'm not making light of that because, I mean, we all have taken selfies, we take pictures with family, that's great, but I'm talking about just the idea of the, the terminology that we live in such a self-centered, self-absorbed society that we no longer have focused on God and others Remember, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like unto it, to love others as yourself. And the idea of the Ten Commandments really is the spirit of the commandments. It's about God, it's about us, and it's about how we respond to other people. And so it's important for us to realize that we have stewardship when God entrusts us but oftentimes, as the blessings begin to come, we forget that it's God who gives the blessings. May we never forget that it's about stewardship. It's not about me. It's about God and others so that we can be the stewards God has entrusted to us and what a privilege that is. Remember, I've shared in podcasts past that when David Livingston, the great missionary, uh, went to Africa, uh, he would say, Where, why is it when an earthly king commissions us, we count it in honor? But when the heavenly king commissions us, we call it a sacrifice. The reality is, it is a privilege to serve God. And if we never forget who called us, who commissioned us, and who gave us the stewardship, if we never forget that, it keeps us focused and in perspective that it's about the stewardship. It's not about what we have done. It's not about me, 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 I, I, I. It's about what God has done and we we're privileged to participate with. Now, obviously, none of us are immune, but anytime we forget the truth of God, And to begin to get lost in the appetites of the flesh. Compromising the truth becomes easier and easier. See, loving truth more than life itself is imperative. Otherwise, we are no match for the lies of the devil and his deceptions. And we will perish in the deception that he brings. Satan takes truth and mixes it with just enough lies to deceive those who do not love the truth. And so he is able to wreak havoc on God's people. Jesus warned His followers to expect such attacks. In fact, John 15, 18-20 speaks of this. And also in the book of Acts, it tells us how this happened to God's servant, Stephen. False accusations were brought against him, and on the basis of false testimony, Stephen was stoned to death, martyred just like Jesus. How is the Christian supposed to act in light of such tactics? Jesus gives the answer in the Sermon on the Mount when He says in Matthew 5, verse 11-12, Blessed are you. When they revile you and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you Matthew five, eleven and twelve. Being slandered for Christ's sake is a great honor. It is evidence that the Spirit of God is resting upon you, and Satan considers you a threat to his kingdom. Being aware of Satan's strategy, though, when the attack comes should bring encouragement rather than discouragement. As I've said before, we should know the wiles of the enemy but not give place to it. Another tragedy is that Satan often even dupes believers into repeating allegations and criticisms against another person. Much of what is passed around within the body of Christ is only partially true or sometimes outright lies. By repeating them, Christians are actually harming the very church they claim to love. That is why the Bible states in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, A single witness, or in other words, just one witness, shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or any sin which he has committed, but it must come through the evidence of two or three witnesses to see the matter and shall be confirmed. See, also 1 Timothy 5:19 says, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. You see, in order to establish a defense against slander, God requires that all accusations be substantiated by reliable witnesses. You see, I think we'd all agree that far too many lives and ministries can be destroyed because of gossip, rumors, and unsubstantiated allegations. God desires better than that for His people. He wants our hearts to be full And so full of love that we refuse to repeat evil concerning others. God says in His Word, Love covers a multitude of sin. You see, God is seeking intimacy with people of sound character. King David writes about the type of people God chooses to dwell with. It says in Psalms 15 1 through 3, O Lord, who may abide in Thy tent? Who may dwell on Thy holy hill? He who walks with integrity, and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. The love for gossip is not easily mastered, but the first step towards deliverance is recognizing it for what it is. It's not a joke. It is sin. And acknowledging this truth is vital in order to not walk in self-deception, which is the most dangerous of lies. After acknowledging our need for help, We can call out to God for His grace. Loving the truth of God's word more than the flesh empowers us to withstand the seduction of Satan's deception. If we believe the father of lies, we begin to walk in compromise and self-deception. And while we still profess to love God, we no longer love our neighbor, but begin to say and do things that will bring them harm. We may put other people down to an attempt to get ahead, And before long, our Christian witness becomes watered down. Ultimately, the cause of Christ suffers as a result of it. Multitudes are in the valley of decision today, hungry for the truth. They are desperate for the genuine, and when we don't reflect God in our lives, they won't receive what we have to say. Unless we experience freedom within our own lives, others are not able to receive the same freedom. The answer for a hurting world is genuine Christian character. I've heard it said before, the characteristics of the kingdom emanate from the character of the king. It starts with King Jesus, but we are to be a reflection of Christ. As Paul said, uh, imitate me or reflect me as I imitate Christ. We can't do it on our own strength. We can't do it according to our flesh. And we can't walk as Christians without Christ-likeness and to be able to focus on the one who gives us the truth and the love for truth and the love for God and for others, but by His grace, We can walk in the fullness of liberation and freedom and the fullness of His grace, His abounding, great, and amazing grace that others might see that grace in us and look at us and say there's something about them, even in their human frailty, there's something about them that is authentic and genuine. The answer for a hurting world is genuine Christian character. Colossians 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Do not lie to one another. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the One who created him. You see, lying is associated with the old man. The individuals you were before you believed in Jesus is not who we are today, or should not be. Now you are a new person who has been renewed and conformed to the image of his character. It's impossible for God to lie, So let us strive to be truthful in all that we do, just as our Father is truthful and faithful to His Word. As we conclude today's podcast on commandment number nine under our series on the Spirit of the Ten Commandments and Golden Rule series, I'm reminded of a scripture that says, even those who listen to gossip become the evildoers. What does that mean? I think for me, I look at that as if we listen to enough of the things that are being proclaimed and said and spewed out, we begin to be partakers of that very spirit. It really is about incarnation. What are we imbibing into our spirit? If all we do is spend time listening to all that we see on social media and all that we see on the television and and being influenced by all those external things, eventually we'll become like that. I think it's important for us to make sure we spend quality time in our knee posture with the Lord, in humble humility and worship, also getting into His Word to wash our minds, so that when we're out there and being bombarded by all these external stressors and these external influencers, we will not be a part of that. In fact, we can live in the world, but we will not be of the world. It's important for us who are not of this world to make sure that we are helping others to find their way. And as believers, we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. He is the way out of our Egypt, out of the things of this world. He is the truth in our desert times and our wilderness. It's in that place when we are lovers of truth that now we're enabled to be able to move forward to possess the land of promise. He is the way out of our past. He's the truth in our desert times. And He's the life and the promises and the purpose that He has for us. There is a destiny for God to fulfill in you and me. And one of those is that we would reflect God in all that we do, say, and think, glorify Him. Again, as Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father in heaven. May we be a people who truly surrender to the will of God, to the purpose of God, to the love of God, so that we can see others the way that God wants us to see them. I hope you're enjoying all of our podcasts and, and the articles that we've been posting to go along with them from time to time. I would like to pray for you. And so if you have any prayer requests, would you email us at somebodycares at somebodycares.org or at prayer at somebodycares.org. And I, Doug Stringer, personally see every one of those prayer requests that come in and we do pray as a team because we do believe in prayer and prayer, we believe, produces intimacy. As Ed Cole used to say, it produces intimacy for whom you pray, to whom you pray, and with whom you pray. Obviously, we pray to God on behalf of everyone that asks a prayer request, as well as we take agreement in prayer because agreement is a place of power. Also, if you consider subscribing to our podcast at Charisma Podcast Network, or you can go to any of the other major um, podcast networks and download our podcast there, A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Also, we'd love to hear from you. So again, you can even email us at somebody cares at somebodycares somebodycares.org or prayer requests or comments, and we'd love to hear from you. Next week, we'll be completing our Spirit of the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule series with the last of the commandments, which is Thou Shalt Not Covet. So I'm looking forward to being with you again next week on that podcast, but also some exciting things that are coming down the line for 2020 as we feel like there is some strong prayer focus across this nation and other parts of the world as well, as well as outreaches that uh, you could be praying with us about. And we'll be sharing more about that in the future. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege of your calling. I thank you for just all those that are listening to these podcasts. I pray, Lord, as we come together in prayer, in agreement, focused together with the right heart and spirit, that we would see in a a world that seems so divisive and polarized, a return to honoring you, worshiping you, reflecting you, a love for your word and a love for your truth. And help us personally, Lord. As we return to that place of our first love. To be a tangible expression of God to a world around us. In the midst of all the distractions. All the potential external stresses. That Lord we would find our peace. And that place of consecration with you. And expectation in you. Thank you Lord for truly you are. The hope. The hope of glory Christ in us. In Jesus name. Amen. Well. Again, thank you for joining us today for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, and we look forward to having you with us on our next podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org, or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.